Hello and welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh and thank you so much for listening. Before we get to the email segment, you can always send your emails into radioiagp at gmail.com. We listen, we listen to, we read every single email. I'm tired. I'm so sorry. I'm going to mess up some words on this one. All right. Our first email comes in. Hey, hi, it's Brian. I got a question for you. What's up with those mana potions? What do they taste like? Is this a, it tastes like blue situation? Is it blue raspberry? Or is it Powerade? It looks like Powerade colors. Do you feel like a magic potion would be tingly to drink? Or is it some sort of flavor, monster fighting brand energy drink? Did they just crack off a lot of B vitamins and ginseng into this potion? Don't even get me started on recycling the glass bottles. Wait, I asked that already. Well then, more questions later. I'm sorry, Brian. Thank you so much for the email, Brian. I like to think of mana potions as just energy drinks. I think it tastes like a Mountain Dew Kickstart. I bet that pretty much any place that is selling you a magic mana potion of some sort has multiple flavors. I bet you got your rear regular. It just tastes like Diet Red Bull. You got your blue raspberry. Maybe there is a sour apple. They look like those they're those like plastic bottle drinks where the top of it's like a soda can or some type of like aluminum can and the bottom is like plastic and looks like a bottle that's what i think that they look like they just come in all sorts of different flavors you know not every mana potion needs to taste the same i think that they are more energy drinks compared to a health potion which i think a health potion is more of a like a fruit juice type thing almost like a bottled smoothie a health potion is going to taste like one of those naked smoothie drinks and it's going to taste like a bunch of fruits and maybe vegetables all mixed together and it's going to be kind of thick whereas a mana potion i think is like a sparkling type drink it's fizzy it's fizzy it kind of wakes you up a little bit gets you that quick energy burst you know like when you're really dead tired and you take that first drink or sip or gulp or whatever of an energy drink and you feel a little tingly that's what a mana potion does and i think it comes in gamer fuel flavors basically any mountain dew flavor you can imagine that's what a mana potion will taste like health potions they're all smoothie drinks you're gonna find them in the fruits and veggies aisle of the supermarket and a phoenix down is smelling salts thank you for the email brian here's our next email hi implausibly josh You are tasked with coming up with a concept for a Star Trek video game. What kind of game would it be? What's the story about? Do you even think a Star Trek video game could be good from Trekkie in Texas? Well, Trekkie in Texas, thank you so much for writing in. I'll work backwards. I think that a Star Trek game could be good. There just hasn't been a good one yet. I think any Star Trek game needs to focus on your role in the universe, be it a single-player game, a multiplayer game, um, an MMO, any type of game. I think the thing that people want when you think of, I want a Star Trek video game, you don't want to retread things that have already happened in Star Trek. Like a Star Trek licensed, like, you wouldn't just make like a licensed video game version of let's say the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, even though they're very action heavy and maybe would lend very well to 
to a video game, I think that you're going to miss out on some of the core things that are is interesting about Star Trek. So I think that, and I know that there have been, you know, licensed Star Trek games that are kind of like that. They're just retellings of stories. But the thing is that you've already seen that story in most likely the best way it's going to be told. You know, you doing a cash grab to retell the Wrath of Khan on the Xbox Series X isn't going to be better than just watching the movie. You know, you being involved in that doesn't enhance the experience of the story being told. So I think that there could be a good Star Trek video game. I just don't think that there's been one yet. Like, I can't think off the top of my head a single Star Trek game that is a game that could be uniquely Star Trek and also good. Like, I don't think one exists. The closest I can think of is that... I think there's like that Star Trek Voyager arcade cabinet. You sit down and you're blasting Borg. But like, that's just like the Jurassic Park arcade cabinet where you're also sitting down instead of shooting Borg, you're shooting dinosaurs. Like, there's nothing unique to the gameplay experience or the game that makes it uniquely Star Trek. And I think that... That's the thing. You got to work backwards. It's not, well, what kind of game do you want to make? It's what kind of Star Trek experience do you want to have? And I think my money would be on having a really cool cast of characters to interact with. I think that Star Trek works well when it is escapism that's focused on what if I could answer the philosophical questions in a meaningful way with meaningful ripples throughout the galaxy or my community or whatever. And I also think Star Trek is at its best when it builds really interesting characters who are fun to interact with and you get to see those interactions, you know? Like, I'm a huge fan of Next Generation and one of my favorite characters is Data. And Data works really well for me because he bounces off a lot of characters really well, you know? The conceit of Data is that he wants to know what it means to be human, specifically human, right? Not not Klingon, not Vulcan, not Romulan. He wants to specifically be human. So a lot of his interactions with the rest of the crew is, you know, based in that. And so you have all these really interesting characters that are also human, and sometimes they're not, and it's always juxtaposed against that character trait. There are obviously other character traits that are important about Data, some that get, some that get overlooked, and I could go on and on about that stuff. But I think that that is the thing that makes me come back to Star Trek in general, right? Like, I could watch any episode of TNG for the most part and be excited to watch it because I know the characters are pretty consistent, not in a, well, sort of in a they-never-change way, but mostly in, like, a I know what I'm getting when I'm watching a data-centric episode because I know what to expect from the character of data. And I'm having fun watching them all interact and have a blast. And I think that a game set in the Star Trek universe would need to have that be core to the game, you know? I don't know if we're at a point where video games can be nearly as engaging as, let's say, a tabletop game covering the same thing. Because a tabletop game, you know, you have a human working with you to tell the story, right? So even something as, let's say, not as character-focused as the official Star Trek Adventures tabletop RPG, like even with something like that, if you have a solid DM, 
who is really excited to tell you and the rest of the characters stories, you're going to have a blast. But I don't know how well that would translate to a video game, and I think that that's basically the thing you'd want to do. I mean, I guess the other option would be you make No Man's Sky, but Star Trek flavored, right? So you are on a ship, maybe you're the captain, maybe you're someone else, you're someone in the science department, who who knows, right? You're, you're on a ship, you're on a USS something or other, and you're exploring the galaxy. You are doing the however many year mission of original series or next gen, and you're going to procedurally generated planets, and you are doing the thing. Every time you hop in to this game, you are given a Star Trek story that is uniquely your own through a bunch of different procedural generation, you know, and human touch, if that makes sense. I just hit my microphone. That wasn't smart of me. Um, so you go to a planet, and it's maybe never been charted before. And as you're charting, things happen, right? Like, oh, you discover that someone's been here before, and... Maybe they're like an ancient version of the species you're choosing to play as, you know? And so now you have to figure out, what do you do with these ancient species? Like, oh, they're still here on this planet. We thought this was uncharted, but here you are, and you've been out of contact with your with your home, with your home planet. What do you do in this situation? Like, I think that would be cool. So you either go one of two ways, right? You go like a very single-player, story-driven focus where you're just having a bunch of fun interacting with characters and the sci-fi is mostly backdrop or you go the opposite direction not opposite necessarily but you go a different direction which is you are exploring the galaxy and you are going to tell your own stories and your stories are going to be different than someone else's but i think that's it i think those are the, the two options for making a good star trek game now, me personally i think i would go for the the more character driven storyline of Oh, you are having fun interacting with your crewmates on the ship on your mission. I don't know what I would do if I like had free reign in the Star Trek universe to put together a story for a video game. I think I think I'd want to set it in the future, definitely. Probably past where Picard, Star Trek Picard is, and I think it would have no ties to previous on-screen characters, you know, except for in maybe like very minor ways, right? Like, maybe you have a an android on your ship, and he's less interested in knowing what it means to be human, and more about what does it mean to be an android, a species that only exists within the past however many decades. Not just like, we were discovered within the last however many decades, they were just created within the last however many decades. And they're trying to find their place in the universe. Like, I... Th so, obviously, if an android exists, that means stuff has happened since Data and his storyline and his arc and his character progression. But I don't think that you specifically have a mission that's about, like, finding Data somewhere. You never don't have a specific mission about finding the descendant of, a, of Picard or something or any of that stuff. I think that you, you plop it down in that universe... And you have fun making your own characters that are unique to that universe, but not necessarily descendants of popular characters. Which I think is always the big problem with stuff like that, right? Is like, I like Discovery, but there is a weirdness in having a Star Trek show set before the first Star Trek show. And 
I think a lot of storytelling likes to rely on bloodlines and ties to the characters you already know. So even while I like how they fit the characters of Discovery into the larger Star Trek original series mythology, me personally, the type of story I would want to tell in, in the Star Trek universe is one without that stuff. The most you would get a nod to like, oh, the the legacy of Star Trek would be like, maybe the game takes place on a five-year mission similar similar to Next Generation or the original series. But that doesn't necessarily mean that like the ship is named Enterprise and a great, great, great grandchild of Kirk is the captain and all that stuff. And there's a, a Riker hanging out on the bridge or something, you know, like it doesn't have to be like that. Anyways, thank you for the question trekkie in texas and this last one we'll do another brian question i have one that says hello it's brian how are you i'm fine question in any games where you have a morality system are there any where you really like to play as the bad guy i played mass effect as a renegade and i liked it that's the closest i've been love you brian love you too brian thank you so much for the question no i i think that morality systems in video games kind of suck and for the most part, they don't tell you, not tell you, they, they don't give you interesting choices to make. Like, I played Infamous Second Son recently, not all the way through, but maybe halfway through, and all the choices there suck because you either have two roleplay options, right? One is the way the writers obviously intend you to play, which is how the character has been characterized through the cutscenes you don't have control over. And then there is the bad guy options, which are completely at odds with the established story that the writers have given you so far and the game designers and all that stuff. And I think that's basically the biggest problem with morality systems is that I think that they are, for the most part, written in a way to stay consistent through one track and that track only. It doesn't make sense to play the other way because it makes your character seem really inconsistent throughout the cutscenes and the cutscenes you have choices in. <clears throat> and that's if the game labels their choices. Like, I was playing the most recent Madden game, and the story mode for that is about how you are the new star quarterback, and you have basically, through no fault of your own, pushed out the previous star quarterback at this high school because that star quarterback has like a heart condition that makes it so that they are in certain situations unable to play football. And so your options are a lot of like, do you let this person injure themselves on the field because they love football so much or do you t be responsible and tell someone about it? And like, it seems like no matter what choices you pick, the story goes in the same direction. So all your choices end up being is what kind of football man are you? Are you someone who will, is a good team leader or whatever? And there are like some gameplay benefits to that stuff. And like, that's interesting. But even then at the same time, a lot of the writing is just painting you as the bad guy, <laughs> no matter what you do. Because if you care about this dude and his health and you do the right thing and tell someone about it before he hurts himself very badly on the field and injures himself or someone else, you're painted as the bad guy in that situation, just trying to one-up them. When, like, the character isn't played that way, 
like whatever your main character is, no matter what, the actual cutscenes that you don't have control over don't make you seem like you're a bad guy out for revenge. It just makes it seem like, no, you're just looking out for this dude who has a heart condition that is going to get himself killed on the field. So it's the same problem, right? It's like even in something like a football game, a sports football video game, you still run into these issues where the cutscene in the story is written to go one very specific way. Your choices ultimately don't matter and maybe only change some gameplay elements and that's it. So what's the point in giving you a choice? I find I find it a lot like the like that. I don't you've probably seen this, but in the new Avengers game, there is an uh, unfailable so how you would say that there is a quick time event with Thor at the very beginning of the game that you cannot fail. So what's the point of having you control the character if you can't fail the action and have that impact the game in some way? You're just doing it to do it, and it doesn't really have any impact. So it's this thing. Thor's flying up in the air. He's about to come down to the ground uh, with his hammer, and you have a button prompt on the screen. You have to hit it within a certain time. But if you don't hit it within a certain time, it the game just stops. It's not frozen. It's not paused. It's just waiting for you to press the button on the screen, and the game will not progress until you do that. So a lot of these morality systems end up feeling like, okay, what if the button prompts on the screen were X and square? You can't get past this until you press one of those buttons. You don't fail if you don't do it. And pressing either of those buttons gets you to the exact same place with no meaningful changes to the story or the character combat or mechanics or anything about the game. You see a different animation, maybe you hear some different uh, dialogue, and that's it. That's what's changed. So until morality systems start stop feeling like that, I'm basically just going to choose like the optimal way to play and not be a jerk. Especially if it's just like labeled, this is the jerk option. I'm just not going to take that because it doesn't matter one way or another. So I might as well just do it in a way that I like, which is not playing a jerk. All right. And I think with that one, we are done with Radio IHEP. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions that you'd like to send us, comments, emails, whatever, send those in to radioiagp at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at implausiblyj. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at implausiblya. You can watch our videos on YouTube. Search Implausibly Average. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you all next time. Later. to save the world. If he succeeds, you survive. If he fails, you can always hit the reset button. Final Fantasy VII. PlayStation.